0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So here we go. Uh, Part two of our teaching series entitled Renew. And today we're looking at rekindling our worship. How do we rekindle our worship? And the purpose of this teaching series Renew is to rediscover The God who rebuilds, revives and makes everything new. See, I am making everything new, we looked at last week. And we're going to look at this through the biblical characters of Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, Zerubbabel. And we're going to ask the question, um, how can we learn to be restored by God, to be redeemed by God as those characters were? Because God specialises, it's like his party trick, in taking broken things and making them whole again, making them Beautiful again. And so if you can open your Bibles um, or turn them on, whichever works for you. Uh, Ezra uh, chapter one through to chapter six, we're going to kind of dip in and out of. So get your finger in there so it's ready to go. And we're going to just look at different parts of these first six chapters and the story of Zerubbabel as they rebuild the altar and rebuild the temple. And we're going to talk about rekindling our worship like the embers of a fire that's gone out, how do you rekindle our worship? And I'm aware for some of us, maybe, our worship has drifted. You know, we haven't quite attended church like we used to. We watch it online, maybe. We fast forward the bits we don't like. Maybe it's the bit I'm saying right now, who knows. Uh, We might be doing all kinds of different things. And we may have found it harder to meet, hard to join connect groups, harder to get involved. And we've just found ourselves drifting away. And I want to say, to say, how do we rekindle our worship? I remember about, um, probably about 10 years ago, and my oldest son, Zach, was probably 11 or 12. And um, we had a bonfire as a family. We did a Friday night bonfire and we got rid of a load of old stuff and we burnt things and we got the old marshmallows out and we had, you know, the bonfire and the marshmallows and hot chocolates. lovely family moment. Or that's how I try to remember it. I'm not quite sure exactly what happened. But what I do remember is what happened next because at the end of the bonfire, I pulled the fire apart. We took everyone inside. We went to bed. And the next morning I woke up and I could still smell the bonfire, and I went out into the garden and there was smoke billowing at the end of our garden on our bonfire sort of spot. And I went to the end of the garden and my son, Zach, was there with his hands covered in ash. And I immediately assumed he had started the fire by using matches, I said, Zach, what have you been doing? That's not right, you shouldn't be playing with matches. And he said, oh no, Dad, I didn't didn't use matches. I just pushed the fire back together again. And as I pushed the fire back together, it had enough heat and the fire restarted. And I don't know if you've ever been there as a parent, there was part of me that was a little bit like, you know, seriously, son, that's a really terrible thing. You shouldn't be doing that. And there was part of me going, nice one. Yeah, impressive. And he'd restart his fire by getting the embers, by getting the ashes and pushing them back together. He'd given the fire his attention and suddenly it burst back into life. And here's the thing I want you to hear today. What you give your attention to is what you worship. What you give your attention to is what you worship. You you know, you may spend your time thinking about your your bank balance and how much money you have. You're giving it your worship. You may be thinking about your career path and where you want to go next and the, 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 the promotion you're looking to achieve. You're giving it your worship. You may be focused on social media, getting enough likes and getting enough interest and and watches and followers. You're giving it your worship. You may be giving your attention to your house and make it look beautiful. You're giving it your worship. You may be looking out for your family, your, your money, your career, your health. You could even, and I'm guilty of this, even giving your attention to the church and it becomes your worship. But God is a jealous God and he wants us to give him our attention. He wants us to worship him. And so in this story of uh, Zerubbabel we have this moment where the people of Israel have been taken uh, captive 70 years previously from Babylon and they've been removed from their home and they've, sorry, from from Jerusalem back to Babylon for 70 years, they've been in exile. Some were left behind and the kind of, those who had possibilities and potential were taken to, uh, to, to Babylon and all the, the temple was ransacked and broken down. The altar was smashed to pieces. The walls of the city were pulled down And that's the moment we find ourselves, 70 years later. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is no more. The Babylonian empire has crumbled as well. Along came the king of of Persia, King Cyrus. And if you go to uh, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, it says these words. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. Remember last time we talked that Jeremiah had said in 70 years, you'll be in exile for. And here we are in 70 years time. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout the kingdom. This is what the uh, King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven has given me, he says, all the kingdoms of the earth. He has pointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem that's what he was saying. He was saying that's if you want to go and head back and help in your hometown of Jerusalem, you can go back now. And he was declaring this moment, this I Cyrus is making this decision. but actually God had gone before Cyrus. in fact, one hundred and fifty years before Cyrus was born. Isaiah the prophet had a word that one day there would come a king called King Cyrus who would send the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. You can read it in Isaiah 44. It says this in verse 28, When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. King Cyrus was just doing what the prophet had already foretold. He was joining in God's big plan, which is always a great place to find yourself. And maybe he thought it was down to him, but actually God was going ahead. And we can spend a lot of time looking at the history there. It's a fascinating story of Cyrus and the role he played and the numbers of times he gets mentioned in scripture. But he enabled Zerubbabel to lead the people of Israel back to Jerusalem to rebuild the altar and the temple. And I want to say to this to us as Freedom Church we must never forget the prophetic words that God has spoken. They may have not come about in the last few months or the last few years. Maybe it's going to take decades for things to come about. But God keeps his promises. God keeps his words. If God has spoken, hold on to the prophecy that God has given to you. Maybe you're still holding on to a word that God has spoken over your life. Don't let go of it. It was 150 years later, after Isaiah had given the prophecy, that actually Cyrus was even born. And many years later before it became a reality. At the same time, the the, the prophet Jeremiah had a word and it was 70 years of exile. And there's something going on here really prophetic. This is not just a historical story. This is a prophetic story. It's a a declaration of what God does. There's a whole discussion around were the 70 years actually God saying, you've you've stopped following me. You've stopped worshipping me. So I'm going to put you in a, a Sabbath. Uh, exile. I'm going to give you time out until you get back to where you need to get to of rekindling your worship. The role of Jerusalem in the history of the Jewish people is significant and when they've been forced away from Jerusalem it's like a sense of loss and grief and when they're back it's a sense of, 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 of possibility and wonder what God might be doing. So I want to ask you what is God reminding you of there? What words has God spoken over your life that have not been fulfilled? What are you hearing God saying? Prophecy is simply God us uh, speaking out what we believe God is saying. Us declaring the truth of who God is. And I believe that Freedom Church, we need to be listening to the prophetic word of God and be looking back at our history as well as looking at our future and saying, God, what have you said before that we need to hold on to because there's something else coming? There's something ahead of us. This is not just a story in the Bible. This is a prophetic declaration of what God will do again. Are we listening to God? And then secondly, it's not just a prophetic story that's going on here, but it's also, um, this story is all about rekindling our worship before we build our walls. We need to rekindle our worship before we build our walls. In Ezra chapter 3, the first two chapters are really about kind of numbers of people and what was taken, what was returned and the people who returned. Um, But in Ezra chapter 3, verse 3, it says um, these words, Even though the people, uh, as they arrived in Jerusalem, were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They chose to rebuild the altar before they built the temple. And I think this is a significant uh, process that's going on here, led by the priest Zerubbabel that we must be people who rekindle our worship before we get busy with our activities. We're someone so busy trying to build things and do things and look impressive. And we forget the quieter place, the place of of worship, the place of sacrifice. And we need to put God first and choose to put him at the center. You know, as, as a Freedom Church, as you know, we've bought a piece of land and we're looking to develop that piece of land. And we've got a meeting this week with the architects to see where that goes to next. And please do pray for those things, but I don't want us to be a church that builds something impressive. I want us to be a church that starts by being worshipers, that we go round the altar and we declare God is the God, the God that we love and we serve, that the building comes out of our worship, not the other way round. That if we want to rekindle our worship, it starts with consecrating ourselves, of declaring that we are holy, set apart, choosing to be followers of God and his purposes. In the, the writer in 2 Corinthians tells we are like cracked vessels. We are jars of clay and we carry the spirit of God within us. When we rekindle our worship, that spirit that we carry burns brighter. Our worship turns our poor efforts into something powerful. As we worship God, those embers become powerful flames that transform the community around us. We need to keep our attention on God, rekindling our love for him, our worship of him. You might be thinking, well, what is worship? It's such a big word. Well, here's a great definition from Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible. He said this, he said his definition of worship was this. Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. That's really good, isn't it? We, 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 we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and we attend to the presence of God. And it's, a, it's a strategic, it's deliberate, it's intentional. We pause, we go, let's do this deliberately. Let's find a strategy, not just hope one day it works. That's why people say, "I oh, don't we go to church? I just am the church. You know, I don't need to attend anything. Listen, gathering as a church is part of our strategy to make sure that on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, we have routines and habits and disciplines to make sure that we are interrupting our preoccupation with ourselves and giving our attention, attending to the presence of God. You know, worship is all about the who. It's not about the how. We often get sidetracked by the styles of how we worship. We get sidetracked by you know the different sounds we might use, the different bands, the different song types. We get We get sort of pushed to a bay. People saying to us things like, um, you know, worship is actually our whole life. It's not just music. It's not just you know singing songs. They're all that I do. It's my vocation. It's my workplace. We say it's maybe it's about our creativity, our gifts. Um, it's about the, the spiritual gifts. It's about pastoral care, social justice. And we bring all that stuff into our worship, which is true to a point. But if it's not careful, it still becomes the how rather than the who. And we get sidetracked by our activity. And if we end up elevating our activity above our worship, then we actually end up giving it an idol, become an idol. Our social justice can become an idol. Our desire to be moving in the gifts of spirit can become an idol. Our love of music and different styles and bands and stuff can become an idol. Our activity of worship is actually becomes the thing we worship rather than the person we're trying to worship. Remember, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and we attend to the presence of God. It's the altar before the temple. Are we giving our attention to God before we give our attention to our activity? That's my challenge to you. And then if we carry on in Ezra chapter three, um, there's this moment where the, the temple is now starting to be built. The foundations are being put into place. And in Ezra chapter three and verse 10, we have this really strange moment it's a really odd moment. And, and if you've read it before, you'll go, this is a very strange thing that takes place. Why is this documented? But it says these words, verse 10 in Ezra chapter 3. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, um, uh, the descendants of Asaph, clashed their to praise the Lord. With praise and thanks, they sang his songs, to the Lord. He is good, his faithful love for Israel endures forever. All going well so far. They're celebrating because the foundations have been laid for the temple, and it's really exciting. And then the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord. And then, verse 12, this happens. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. There was this moment where there was tears and there was celebration. Where one generation who remembered how it used to be are are, are sad because they go, we remember the glory days of Solomon's temple. It was beautiful. It was stunning. It told the story of how great our God was. And they suddenly realised how we'd let things lapse and how things had gone to ruin. Whereas the younger generation, they saw the foundations, they saw the possibility and said, this is exciting. Imagine what we could do with the future. And you had those two groups of people side by side, one cheering, one in tears. Sounds like the possibilities of a football match tonight. There could be some tears and there could be some celebrations. I'm just hoping that we're on the side where there is the celebration and not the tears. And maybe it'll be a moment where those who've experienced the 1966 World Cup final will remember what they used to be like, remember their good old days, whereas the younger generation remember what is to come and the future. And I want to say to us as the church here at Freedom Church, I love the fact we've got such a diverse generations, that we've got small babies up to great grandmas and grandpas. And it's fantastic. I love that. And we need the wisdom of the old. We need the memory of the old, those who've seen and experienced and mature. And we all need the passion, the enthusiasm, the energy and the drive of the younger generation. We all need each other. We need one another and we need to recognise and look to those who've got experience and say, help us as we move forward. And we also need to turn to the younger ones and say, will you help us drive to this next place we need to get to? We need one another. And there's that moment of, of almost that tears of loss and, and grief and disappointment mingled with joy and shouts of celebration at the same time. There's so much, isn't it, about community. And then the last thing, and there's some very strange parts of this story. The last thing I want to leave you with is this. Be careful who you build with. Be careful who you build with. In this moment in, uh, in uh, Ezra 4, there's this moment where the enemies of Judah and Benjamin said, heard the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, let us build with you. For we worship your God just as you do we have sacrificed him ever since king of Assyria brought us here but Zerubbabel Jeshua and the other leaders of Israel replied you may have no part in this work we alone will build the temple for the Lord the God of Israel just as king Cyrus of Persia commanded us now that can sound a little bit harsh you're like hold on a minute you know they're wanting to help these people who've, who've lived here for the last 70 years, they want to help. They want to help restore the temple. This is a really good thing. Surely, Zerubba, why have you said no to the people offering help? But, but here's the thing. The people offering help had been living in the land for the last 70 years, faithful, reliable, but had become accustomed to a broken down temple. They'd abandoned the altar They'd seen the walls pulled down and left it as it was. They'd become comfortable with the world around them. Be careful who you build with. There'll be people around you, the voice of the culture of the day, who has become comfortable with being part of all that we see around us. And sometimes it comes a point as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have to say, actually, we're not going to build it the way the world thinks we should build things. What is God calling us to do? Who are the people who are carrying the mandate, who are carrying the message, who are following the prophetic word, not just hearing the voices of everyone around them? Sometimes it's not acceptable to accept the help of those around you and saying, actually, no, we are doing this with a different version of vision. We've got a different purpose. And sometimes, you know, it's hard when you're working in partnership with other agencies and organisations, sometimes you have to say, this is not for all of us to do. This is only for some of us to do. Watch who you give your attention to. Don't just help, uh, get the help from those who've been left behind, faithful good people who've become accustomed to letting things be as they are, who let things be watered down, who have let um, you know, the, the crumbling walls stay crumbling, to have let the altar remain broken, who've let the temple stay smashed onto the ground. Watch who you give your attention to. Let's get the worship team back up. And I can say that now and they can literally appear next to me here on the stage, which is fantastic. But as we wrap this up, I just want to say a couple of things here. What you give your attention to is what you worship. Remember that. And I ask you this morning, I ask you, my challenge to you is this. Who or what are you giving your attention to? What are you giving your attention to? Are you consecrating yourselves? Are you making yourself holy and set apart for God? Are you rekindling that flame within for God? Or maybe today you're feeling far from Him. I want to encourage you to give your attention once again to God through worship. And it's more than just attending church, as good as that is. It's more than just the temple, it's about the altar. What are we sacrificing? What are we giving up to worship God? Remember that phrase, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. Such a counter cultural moment where we say, actually, we're not we to be self centered. We're going to give up the preoccupation with ourselves. We're going to choose to give our attention to God. What are you preoccupied with today? What are you giving your attention to? It is time to light the fire again. It's time to reignite. It's time to call down the power of God and say, God, will you fill me anew, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, set me on fire again that I may transform into becoming more like you. In a moment, I'm just going to pray and then the banding and lead to a song. And then we've got a chance to take communion together, whether you are online or in locations. An opportunity to remind ourselves of the God we worship. He is the reason we do what we do. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to look back to hear these stories of what you've done and say, God, would you do it again? Would you lead us again? Would you enable us to come out of this season into something new and fresh? But would it always start with our worship to you, we pray. I pray today for those who are a long way from you, maybe those who the embers have been pulled apart and you've drifted. Father God, I pray they would find a way to come back to you to reignite the flame within, I pray. Maybe there are those listening today who've never said yes to following you. Lord God, would they know that this is an opportunity to rediscover, discover for the first time the God who loves them and cares for them. For those who've maybe let their worship dwindle. Lord, would you reignite from within, we pray. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.